people always ask like, what does it mean to be real? But it just means like, if you were to come to my house and I apologize for the mess, I, or what it looks like, uh, and it might not even be messy. I am setting up the expectation that if I was to visit your house, it has to be a certain way. Hey there, I'm Ani Michalski, wellness coach, therapist, and mom to half a dozen amazing kiddos. This podcast is for moms who desperately need a break, but refuse to take one. You know who you are. You have a jam-packed schedule and you're so busy doing everything for everyone else, you don't leave any time for you. What's up with that? Well, no more. Take off your superwoman cape and learn how to put yourself on your to-do list. This is the Moms Without Capes podcast. Hey, did you know that there's a Facebook group filled with Moms Without Capes? Women who are learning that it's safe to take off the superwoman cape and take care of themselves? There sure is, and we'd love to have you in the group. Moms Without Capes is a free community for moms who feel overwhelmed, stressed out, and exhausted from trying to do it all. Come discover who you are under that cape and give yourself permission to show yourself some love. Search Moms Without Capes when you're in Facebook or follow the link in the show notes of this podcast episode. See you there. We have here today on the Moms Without Capes podcast, Rachel Martin. Welcome to the show, Rachel. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So Rachel is a mom of seven and the author of two books, Mom Enough and The Brave Art of Motherhood. She's also a founding partner in Audience Industries, a company designed to train and equip entrepreneurs, as well as a speaker, a writer, and a community leader. Through her work, she encourages moms and entrepreneurs to live each day with purpose and drive. Today, Rachel will be sharing with us eight things fearless moms do. I know I'm super curious, and I'm sure you are too. So before we dive into that, can you share with us, Rachel, a little bit about more about your journey and how you got to be where you are today? I would love to. People are always fascinated with um, that I made a career being online, especially when I tell them that. I, I, I was started in the infancy of the whole online world, um, but I always trace it back to my dad. When I was growing up in the 80s, my dad got a one of the most basic Texas instrument computers, and my dad taught me to code at a young age. So computers were always this really cool thing. When I hit college, which is going to date me also, in the 90s, one of my classes, they said, you need to get a you need to get an email address. And I'm like, oh my gosh, all right. So I, I started kind of in the Yahoo group era, the late uh, end of the 90s and then early 2000s. And then I was in Yahoo groups when blogs became a thing. And somebody said, you know, um, maybe you should start a blog because I would write all the time. And I did. And I sometimes look back at that Rachel that started it. And I'm like, wow, if you would know where it's gone from then. Um, so started writing online and then started my blog and finding joy. And over the years, it's grown and it's grown and it's led to my, my two books, but it's led to this amazing community of women and moms. And my heart is that we all as moms, you know, uh, we don't forget our own hearts in the journey. Absolutely. That's funny you said it because my um, email address is Yahoo and I've had it since 2000. But <laughs> Right. Yeah. My husband like, has yes, an MSN we are one. The same generation. <laughs> yes, we are. Yes, we are. No, he has a Hotmail one still oh gosh yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah he just keeps it for fun because he's like you know it's cool it's, it's like it's vintage now yes yeah that's funny vintage so yeah back in the and back then the coding was like I remember like 
run like are you and right. like all of like that very very basic like green screen right yeah, yeah when I learned to code on that Texas instrument computer it was this huge book and I would spend forever and then when I was done a little ball would dot like go across the screen yeah. and I thought it was the greatest thing in the world I'm like look dad look let's dive into your new your your newest book which is called mom right. Enough. can you share with us a little bit about that and what what that's all about I would love to so Starting, well, Mom Enough, it's really a collection of the letters that I've written over the last 10, 12 years that I've been writing my uh, website, Finding Joy. And the letters started after one mom said to me, I, I really love what you're saying, but I feel like I'm not a good mom. I feel like I'm failing. And then I thought, well, if she feels like she's failing, and I certainly felt like I'm failing as well, I'm going to write her back. So I wrote this letter back to her. And it was in that infancy day of Blogspot when there was a lot of anonymous, like you could comment anonymously. So there was no way for me to reply. And I just thought, you know what, if she feels that way, and I feel that way, I'm just going to publish it. And it was the first letter that really went viral. And it reminded me that all of us moms, we we have these moments where we can feel alone, and we just need encouragement. So the book, it's taken all these letters that I've written through my own journey from little kids to now adult kids and some that are married and it's just put the letters it's like a snapshot of motherhood together and i always think it's like i always describe it as the friend that you need when you when you're you know you're wondering like am i a good mom or i'm overwhelmed or the kids are driving me crazy today or you know there's some about when i lost my own self so that's what it is it's kind of the bedside companion of um it's like your best friend right next to you yeah yeah. So you, you just kind of squeeze that in there about losing your, your own self. Can you talk a little mm -hmm. bit more about that and how you were able to find your sense of identity? So I think that none of us plan that none of us think like, I'm going to look in the, like, for me, it was looking in the mirror and looking at my eyes and going, I don't really recognize myself anymore. I knew I was a good mom. Like, I'll, I'll just say that, like, I feel like we should just actually all own that like you know we do a pretty good job not perfect not perfect but felt like I was showing up and um I just didn't want my kids to get to this point where they were like mom was a really good mom but she was never happy and I that just the thought of it crushed me and so I went through this kind of I don't know like a, an emotional identity crisis but it was really more a shedding of self and rediscovery of the things that I I loved and I had to be I had to admit I'm kind of lost right now. And because I think if you don't admit it, you don't know where to start. So I I just journaled about it. I wrote about it. I wrote letters about it. I went through this process of discovering who I am right now. Maybe not again, but where I am in this journey. How old were your kids when you decided they to do this? Were, uh, so it was when I was writing my site. So they were probably, they were in school. I think that's the big thing for me is once the little one for me um, went to school, all of a sudden, even though I worked at home and I, I did this business, all of a sudden the windows stayed clean and I wasn't chasing after somebody. And there was this like time that happened in my day again. And when there's time, all of a sudden I'm like, you know what? 15 years of my life, because I have a lot of kids, was spent with toddlers and keeping them, keeping them alive, which I, that is what you do as a toddler. Like don't <laughs> touch the stove. Don't go put your finger in the light socket. Don't go in the street. So that 
pressure of always being on was gone. And it left me with time to think, well, now what? And that was the, that was really the tipping point was when they started going to school or the youngest. Yeah. Yeah. It was like a new season that you were able to prioritize yourself a bit more, realize that there was just that you were more than a mom. Right. Right. And I, you know, moms ask me all the time. I'm like, you can't compare your season. Like if I'm sharing, like do this and you have a newborn, mm -mm, it's just impossible because (laughs) you're just going to, your breaks might be two minutes or you take the long way home from Starbucks. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So you also have another book aside from mom enough that talks more about the brave, the brave art of motherhood. And I am thinking that what we're going to talk about today is what do fearless moms do comes Mm -hmm. primarily from that book. Although you did say that it does overlap into mom enough, but what is, how do you define fearless? I think the best way to describe fearless is Eleanor Roosevelt said, do one thing every, do one thing every day that scares you. And I've loved that quote. But then one day my son, Caleb said, you know, mom, you've got that quote up, but you also have another one in the house that says, do one thing every day that makes you happy. And I thought, oh, that is so interesting that often on the other side of fear or what we think we can't do is happiness. So fearless doesn't mean like reckless. Fearless means like you're really deciding I'm going to, I'm going to take care of my heart. I'm going to pay attention to it. I'm going to put myself out there sometimes like, okay, I don't know the new moms at that group, but I'm just going to go up and introduce myself. It means deciding that today, um, I'm not going to look for tomorrow to do what I could do today. That's the best way I, I could describe it. Yeah. Okay. So what are the eight things? Well, I have I'm it here. Let because... You take the stage here. <laughs> all right. So, um, I, 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 all right. The first one is based off another quote that I love, which is fall seven times, stand up eight. And the presupposition in that quote is it doesn't say fall once, get up. It's like <laughs> you're going to fall a lot and you're going to keep standing up. And it doesn't end on fall. And so I think that fearless moms, what I really believe is they look at they look at the times when they stood up again. They learn from the fall. Like, okay, I'm not going to do that again. Like, certainly not. I, I learned that, especially when the kids were young. Like, not going to give them that before, after bed. I mean, after dinner. And then, but they really pay attention to when they stood up again. What did it take for me to come back to try again? So, to me, that's a huge life thing is that looking at where you stand up. And then um, they focus on the good. Uh, I think it's really, really easy to see, well, that's not working. Your grades are bad or I'm not, I I didn't get as far as I want. So to live fearlessly means that you are making an effort to look for the good. Uh, I would say that's the difference between joy and happiness is happiness is contingent upon like, there's a surprise birthday party. Woohoo, I'm happy. Joy is this like, deep posture of deciding to see the good even when life isn't perfect so that alone that that is a fearless act that can be a really challenging thing uh the other thing is they know your your kids are going to make mistakes like no kid is perfect and if we take it on as a i'm a bad mom i'm not good enough all of that we forget that they're humans (laughs) they're these human beings that can make choices and so we can guide them, but we don't have to 
it, like when we give our kids the chance to be human, we allow them the opportunity to grow. Yeah. So um, and we kind of hold them accountable as far, instead of taking that whole responsibility onto ourselves and the whole blame. It's so true. It's so true. Like even today I have a senior in high school and I was messaging him and he goes, mom, I can take care of it. And I realized, and it wasn't even anything bad or anything. It was just this idea that that's the letting go part is mm-hmm. me saying me, not immediately jumping in. Like when they're second grade where I'm like, all right, what do we got to do? I'm like, you know, the dude is an adult right now, just finishing up high school. So, um, and that part goes with uh, moms are real. The more real you are, uh, the better. And people always ask like, what does it mean to be real? But it just means like, if you were to come to my house and I apologize for the mess, I or what it looks like, uh, and it might not even be messy, I am setting up the expectation that if I was to visit your house, it has to be a certain way. And I just say, let's just, you know, come into the house, be together. (laughs) Um, So I got a couple more. One of the things is they learn and you know this, you, we just learn as moms. You don't know how I say, you don't know how to parent a toddler till you have a toddler. Don't know how to handle middle school moodiness till you have a middle schooler. (laughs) It's like, I have no idea what I'm doing. You know, you're the first time I'm raising, this is the first time I'm raising you. (laughs) Right. I've told them that too. And I think, you know, middle school age and that, that kind of early teen space, it just gets so quiet. And that was the part where I was like, okay, I just have to be okay with that. Like maybe, maybe I'm not the best friend anymore. (laughs) Um, The other thing is that that we, you do versus just talk like um, to be fearless. Isn't it's like you remove, like I might, I could maybe tomorrow you actually decide I'm going to do this. I'm, and you make it a priority and which leads to the seventh one is that you take care of yourself. Um, That is huge for me is that we as moms take care of ourselves. We don't uh, put ourselves on the back burner. Like you, you have kids. We, our kids appointments, like if they're going to the dentist, we take them to the dentist. If they're going to do that, we, we, we do it. And then when it comes to us and myself included, right. I'm like, I might just wait on that well check for me. Cause I, I mean, I don't like it, <laughs> but I make my kids go. So we take care of ourselves, but that also means investing in the things we love. And then the last thing, which is why I love what you're doing with podcasts, all that is it takes a village. It takes all of us working together. Like if we try to mom alone it's isolating we think we're the only ones we're like how come i'm crying over this or how come it's great but when we're together it's an amazing thing because we're all we're all united in that way so remembering that's huge right exactly because it can feel isolating it can feel like you're doing it all alone so making sure that you're being intentional about connecting with other women and other moms in the similar seasons so that you know right. that you're not, and those that are ahead of you and those that are, you know, at different seasons is so important. Right. Yeah. right. And, you know, and I think the other thing I, I really learned was when, like, I never liked it when people would say, just wait till they're teenagers. Because they felt like it put that expectation, like, oh, what's teenagers? Like, yeah, what's and I come? love my teenagers. <laughs> like, I think they're the, I mean, granted, it's a whole different ball game, but I love them. Mm-hmm. So I always try to tell them, I, I try to encourage like moms that are in my stage to not, ne- you know, make it the next stage look like that. 
Like, yeah, it's, it's going to be awesome. It's a different stage, but it still can be awesome. Rachel, how old are your kids? So my youngest is 14 and my oldest is 27. Okay. Okay. I'm a little bit, I'm kind of very simple. That's yeah. I think I'm mm -hmm. almost similar, like the same thing. Nice. I have six and I, my oldest is 23 and my youngest is nine. So I'm like a right. little bit behind you. I'm coming up behind you. here. <laughs> well, you know, what's interesting about our parenting thing. And I think it's something to talk about is when you have the oldest one, like it, 20 and above, there really wasn't that internet pressure that yeah. happened that ha with my youngest, like my youngest, when he was born on Facebook, I'm like going to the hospital, like his whole life has yeah. this like digital part. True. But my oldest ones, I had like family fun magazine. And yeah, I mean, I felt pressure from that. Like, they'd be like, here's the checkerboard cake to make. I thought I'm going to do it. And then I forgot to do the steps. Like, I'm yeah. like, already failing. But yeah. that's all I had. I didn't have like, I didn't have the, the, the like, internet the Instagram part. reels, like where you're comparing right. and you're seeing like, and constantly feeling like you're not enough because you're faced right. with this every day, every time right. you go yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I saw it emerge as being in the online sphere and watching creators and watching the whole thing. I saw this like culture emerge for moms where when I first published that first post that dear mom who feels like she's failing, I shared a picture of my sink and people are like, oh my goodness, you are so brave to share your dirty sink. And I'm mm -hmm. like, don't we all have dishes at one point? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So it's just taking that behind the scenes and letting people know like, Hey, this is real, which is, I think was your number five, right? Or your number four right. about the moms are real. Like right. we don't need right. to squash this part of us when, and, and it also lends to that number eight where you feel less alone when you know that, you know, other moms are going through very similar things. Right. And what I love about the real part is if it's like, we can encourage each other. It's the fixing of each other's crowns. Like if our friend loves yoga and we hate it, it doesn't mean we have to do it. We can just love them for it. And they can be, they can have their Instagram account where they're doing everything. And it doesn't, it's not a grade on us. It's just like, look what's awesome. And I think the more real we are with people, the more we, we cultivate, like, we're going to do this life journey together. Yeah. 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 I love that. All, all of those things. And I was kind of mentally checking off in my mind, like, I do that. I do that. Right. Right. <laughs> right. right. And it kind of gives me an idea, like, okay, you know what? I need to work on this more. Like, and I like how you distinguish the happiness from the joy and being able to like, you know, find that joy, find that good in each day rather than, cause that, that goal of like, I want to be happy can be very right. overwhelming in and of itself. Like, what is right. that? It can be very aloof as far as like, what is that? And how can you define that? But finding moments of joy in the day is definitely doable. It is. It, it takes the pressure off too, because I think there, and like, and I also think happiness gets kind of a bad rap sometimes. We're like, oh, you shouldn't be happy. Like, don't chase that. But I, it's like a gift of being human. And it's just as valuable an emotion. But joy takes the pressure off of like, like you could have a really bad day, really hard day, but there probably is something good. And the best example I have of that is my 14 year old has celiac disease. And when he was diagnosed, he was really tiny, like 15 months old. And I was in the hospital with him. He was there for a long time. He was in celiac crisis. They didn't know what, if there was more. 
and it was snowing. It was Minnesota. It was winter, freezing too. And I remember just feeling overwhelmed. And then I heard his uh, vitals that like kind of bloop, bloop of going for his heart rate. And it was overwhelming because I knew that there were parents in that children's hospital where I was that would have really done anything for a normal rhythm like that. And I got a piece of paper out and I just started listing everything that was good, even in the midst of intense crisis in my family. And that changed. It shifted my perspective. Yeah. Yeah. We need those, those perspective shifts. We do. We do. do. Starbucks helps. Starbucks helps. (laughs) I always say get to know your baristas. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Do you have any final advice or any words of final words of wisdom? Um, well, the, that you are mom enough that coming up with the title for the book was huge to me. And one of the most uh, viral things I've written was, was called why being a mom is enough. And it's really like, you're a mom enough when you don't know what to do. And when you do know what to do, because at bottom line, your kids just need you. Hey, super mom overwhelmed and drained in your quest to be the ultimate mom daily demands, bury you in motherhood, creating a disconnect with your partner resentment, anger, guilt. These emotions fester, making it tempting to just drop everything, go on a long extended vacation and tell no one. I've been there, sacrificing my identity to be the best mom, feeling unappreciated, exhausted, and on the verge of breakdown. As you may be experiencing for yourself, it was impacting my marriage in a big way. Something had to change. And guess what? I held the key. Connecting with myself was what transformed my marriage. I started taking back what rightfully belonged to me, my identity in and out of my role as a mom and my life. And then I learned how to take charge of it. No one will tap you on the shoulder and say, it's time for yourself. If you don't value yourself, no one else will. Loving relationships thrive when partners honor their individual selves. The Beyond Supermom program helps you reclaim lost parts, transforming your marriage by transforming your relationship with yourself. Are you ready to reclaim yourself and totally change how you show up in your marriage? Schedule a call with me today to discover how Beyond Supermom can help you. Go to momswithoutcapes.com backslash beyond or click the link in today's show notes. What do you do for fun? I run, which I know some people are like, what? That's not fun. But I do love to run. Yeah. And I also play piano. I've played piano since I was five. So super grateful. My my, my parents, every time I say this, they're like, woohoo, the money we invested was good. But (laughs) I'm super grateful for the fact that my dad would sit next to me sometimes and make sure I practice because piano is like, it's the voice to my my soul. Yeah, yeah. I actually started taking piano lessons last year, and I good took for you just to be able to like to know some songs. I learned some songs, and then I stopped for the summer. But right. like, I need to get back into practicing it because I really enjoyed it. I found that at the end of the day, it was just so relaxing to sit and just just you know tap out right. to like some notes. It is. There's something about it for me that makes allows me to think. And when mm-hmm. I write, I write to music and it's like, uh, it almost shuts out the outside world and I can just focus inward at that moment. Yeah. Do you run marathons? 
I haven't done a half marathon, but okay. I haven't done that. I would like to. It's on my list. Like, yeah, it's on I my bucket know, list. Too. <laughs> yeah, because I'm like, there's going to come a day when I don't know if I'm going to be able to. And I feel like the the timeline getting shorter. So I'm like, get out and do it. Get out and do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've done the half marathons. And I'm like, I I had it on my bucket list for a long time, the marathon. But as, as I get older, I'm like, I don't know if that's really going to stay on my bucket list. All right. Well, maybe you and I should both encourage each other to do it. <laughs> um what do you do you have a book that you would recommend I have the book that changed my perspective it's it was written in the 90s it's called one year off by David Cohen I believe and it's about a family pre-internet world that it's an autobiography they sold everything put it all in storage in San Francisco and traveled the world and I remember reading it thinking I want that freedom I like the idea that they did something out of the norm, out of like, follow these boxes, do all that was enough. And so that's my, you know, in my five recommended books, that's, that's the number one one, I say. I think I would love that. I follow um, influence like the hashtag van life. Yes. I think that is amazing. (laughs) It's amazing. to be able to just do that like it does right. seem freeing and it seems like you get to see the world like it they always make it seem so they do my parents are big RVers but my husband and I always talk about it the fact that they need to know where dump stations are always deters us we're like there's a whole <laughs> part of their world revolved around which campground has that yeah so we're like well maybe we'll just drive and stay at a hotel <laughs> <laughs> but we do like the freedom because he's always like maybe we should get one of those Volkswagen vans I'm like well I don't know <laughs> yeah well they look really nice online <laughs> they do they're gorgeous and we both love to travel I mean we really like that so where do you live do you live in Minnesota still no even though I sound like I do uh I live in Nashville so which is funny oh, okay. because people will be like oh you want when I do a lot of public speaking they'll be like uh, so you really don't sound like you're from Nashville. I'm like, what do you mean? Oofta. I'm not going to my Minnesota stuff. So, but my kids are hybrids. They speak Minnesotan and like Nashville together. So they say, don't you know y'all? So they <laughs> both cultures. Yeah, they've adopted both. <laughs> they've adopted both. Yes. Where can listeners find you? So the most common place people find me is on Facebook at Finding Joy Blog. So if you type in that, they'll just find you'll my face will pop up. And um, otherwise, you can find me on Instagram, Finding Underscore Joy, or on my website, FindingJoy.net. All right, awesome. All of Rachel's information is going to be in the show notes of today's episode. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. It was super fun to talk with you. For the first 10 years of being a mom, I told myself that I did not have the time to go out with friends or to learn a new hobby. I told myself that my focus now had to be on my children and they were my responsibility and my responsibility alone. I would feel guilty if I did anything fun without my children and husband, and I'd feel resentful since my husband seemed to just come and go without any of the kids even noticing. I, on the other hand, would get bombarded by my kids if I said I was going for a walk alone, so I stopped trying. I stopped making dates with friends, and I stopped knowing who I was. I didn't know how to ask for help, and I felt weak, and like I wasn't a good mom because I wanted it. I needed help, but I didn't know how to ask. I became a control freak, really, trying to control everything and everyone, because if things weren't in order, it reflected on me and my worthiness. 
I filled my plate. Boy, was I busy. I volunteered. I led groups. I got involved in everything. Looking back, I can see clearly that I was trying to prove my, my worth. But really, it was exhausting. And it led me to feeling like a failure because I just couldn't keep up. I fed myself all kinds of lies. I don't have time. I don't need that walk. I can do this alone. I thought that the world was going to fall apart if I did something I enjoyed. And I told myself this for so long, I actually stopped knowing what it was that I even enjoyed. Sad, I know. But can you relate? I felt trapped by my own excuses. But it wasn't until I started recognizing them for what they were that I was able to finally break free from them. I created a guide to help other moms break free from the lies and to start taking care of themselves. It took me 10 years. It definitely doesn't have to take you that long. I'll put the link to this guide in the show notes so that you can grab your copy and be on your way to breaking free from the guilt and start rediscovering who you are under that mom hat. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Moms Without Caves podcast. I'm always up to hearing your ideas for future episodes, so send me a DM and let me know. And if you enjoyed today's episode, it would be awesome if you'd leave me a positive review wherever you're listening to podcasts these days. Until next time, take care of you. You are worth it.